to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. I want to talk about the transformative power of the Holy Spirit transformative power of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. Don't display it on the screen. This one should be a memory verse. Let's all quote it from memory. 1, 2, 3, go. I beseech you, brethren, uh by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before God. For that is your reasonable. Uh, verse 2. And be not the pattern of this world, but be by then you will God's Okay, verse 3. Verse 3, is that the one for don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to but to each one the measure of faith. Is that the one? Give me verse 3 just in case I've forgotten. Uh-huh. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is a man, you know to think of himself <laughs> Let's go back to verse 2. Verse 2 is our main text. So it says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed. Because have you noticed, it doesn't say do not be conformed to this world, but be conformed to God. It says be transformed. Meaning, there is a difference between being conformed and being transformed. To conform is to behave according to the usual standards of behavior that are expected by a group or society. For example, some of you didn't like your school uniforms. Some of you, your school uniforms left much to be desired. Majority of us wore school uniforms, right? It's only those who went to the bourgeois schools. Majority of us wore school uniforms. It's only those like Pastor Lastins who went to... Pastor Lastins, you were not wearing a uniform. I knew you in grade 9. No, grade 10 to 12, you were not wearing a uniform. (laughs) Yeah, so... I, I, I had, I think in primary, it was like a white shirt and this tie with stripes. Guys, I look good. Look good. Look good. <laughs> and then I think Maduro boys, it was, it's the badge, right? You know them by the badge. Yeah. Was your uniform nice? I don't want to say anything about some uniforms. I just wish some added socks. But nevertheless... <laughs> Okay, nevertheless, moving on. What you were doing with the school uniforms was really conforming for a lot of you. Because if it were up to you, you'd probably be putting on something else. Either that or you liked having a school uniform because it reduced the pressure of always having something different to wear. (laughs) That's the pressure you're at now at Unilas. Uniform. Oh, there's a uniform. Wonderful. That reduces pressure. Praise God. (laughs) Okay. So now, conforming has to do with meeting a particular standard. So for example, if you're conforming to worldly ways, do you know that the world has a pattern? Do you know that there are certain things which you expect 
almost every 16-year-old is doing or knows. When somebody is 21, you expect that almost every 21-year-old is in a similar vein. When someone is 25, when someone is 30, sometimes it's according to age, sometimes it's according to area, but generally the world has a pattern. Now, the interesting thing is you can still conform to worldly ways while you're a believer. I've heard some believers say some worldly stuff and you can tell that they are carnal. I remember one time uh, there was an argument between the person who was working as our house help and the person who was working as the gardener. And it's like the house help had been keeping it for a long time. And I'll never forget that day. That day she just said, ah, there was so many, so many. And I don't think my parents were not even home that day. So many, so many. And she was always singing worship songs. So I asked her, ah, ah. Then I'll never forget this. Very dramatically, she just went, oh, Christo, beside. <laughs> Meaning, there was still a worldly pattern that was in her mind, and it would just be paused. Never really ended. That's how come, that's why as I'm talking, there are some numbers you need to delete. How can you say you're out of a particular life, but you still go back and say hi because you know someone who send you airtime or money for, for, for something? Then, then really, then, then it's not really out, it's rainbow colors because it's like... <laughs> It's chameleon because it's like when it's convenient, you still go back. I don't think any of my point. No, babe one, babe two. As a young man, surely. And, and that's the thing. You can be tongue speaking, demon chasing, mountain moving, but still very carnal. Yeah, still very carnal because you still conform to the pattern of the world. But then let me switch it up. It's also possible when it comes to the kingdom, it's possible to just conform to Christian practices without being transformed. And here's the thing. If you conform to Christian practices but you're not yet transformed, then you're really just religious. Religious, the R-I-E means repeating. So when you're religious, you're just doing the same thing over and over again. In this case, it's just something that may be godly. And that's why some people don't change. They just stop or they pause. And that's why some people can go back to doing the same things they used to do based on who they are found with that day. Like, if you're found with this company of people, you'll do this. If you're found with this company, you'll do this. If, you're, if that, like, where your spiritual life, for lack of a better term, is dependent on who you're sharing a room with in your boarding house. If per adventure they happen to put you with somebody who's worldly, then we even know that one or two weeks you'll be worldly as well. If they put you with someone who's spiritual, we even know that you'll become spiritual as well. Then it means you've not yet been transformed. You're still religious. But that's why I came today. <laughs> now, transformation comes from a Greek word. That, and the Greek word used there is metamorpho which is where we get the word metamorphosis praise God now some of us may know this but just for illustrative purposes one of the greatest examples of metamorphosis is the transformation of a caterpillar into a butterfly in the sense that we all that it was a caterpillar first and it became a butterfly. But the moment it's a butterfly, it can't reverse and become a caterpillar again. Because there is a transformation that has taken place. I don't know if you're hearing me. <laughs> Meaning the moment it's a butterfly and the caterpillars come and say, why don't you crawl on the ground like we do? You've changed. What would the butterfly answer? We are supposed to change. I, I don't know if you're hearing me. So the transformation of the metamorphosis 
of a caterpillar into a butterfly is very similar to the process that we go through when we become believers. We become a whole new creation. And then now we've got a responsibility to renew our mind. And the more we renew our mind, the more we are transformed and transformed and transformed and transformed and transformed. Jesus actually showed a challenge that can take place when a person has been delivered from demons, but they are not transformed. Look at Luke chapter 11, verse 24. The Bible says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes, so unclean spirits have personalities. He goes through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. And then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. Now, something you must know about demons is that demons desire to function on earth. And the only way they can function on earth is if they can have a human being. That's why you won't hear a person saying, no, I was walking in the road, then a demon came, swampered me, and then 15 demons attacked me. No. For demons to function on earth, they need to use human beings. So when a demon is cast out, it wants a home again. Now, I think we can see, we can cue the lights just for a, for, for a minute. We can see here an egg and then it becomes a caterpillar. Now, a caterpillar um, by two is not just... It's literally a whole living thing with its own identity. Some people even eat it. That's how it's got its own identity. What is it called? Thinkovala. Thinkovala, right? Yeah, I pronounce it well. Now, you find it's got its own identity. It's a whole living being. And yet there's something that takes place. It becomes something. Once it enters into that, what is that called? A cocoon? Once it enters into that, it comes out as something else. And then it becomes a butterfly. How come you never hear that someone caught a butterfly and then they just removed the wings so they could fry the caterpillar? <laughs> Why? Because it's a whole different creature. It's been transformed. It's been metamorphosed. And that's what God <laughs> and that's what God desires with you and I. You can bring the lights back. It means that if um, we were to go back to the day you got saved, and some of you get saved today. If we were to go back to the day you got saved, you shouldn't be able to recognize the other person. You should ask them, what are you doing in a, in a body that looks like mine? You shouldn't... Something should be unrecognizable. Sometimes if you go back and read your Instagram posts or your Facebook posts, you should wonder, didn't I knew you? <laughs> like, what's this? How? Where? How could this person think like this? There should be a clear difference between you when you're saved and you when you're not saved. There should be a clear difference. There should be a metamorphosis. And you see, a butterfly becomes boom new. And even if we are to use the concept which Jesus used of being born again, when a human being is born, you don't start counting their days from when they were in the womb. So you don't say, oh, you're born, you're now nine months. No, it's a whole new creation. It's a whole fresh start. Praise God. Let's continue. Let's go back to the scriptures. So these devils, these unclean spirits, they look for rest. But if they can't find it, they come back and look. Before they look for another human being, they come back to where they were removed. That's what Jesus said. So he says, I will return to my house from which I came. The audacity of this spirit to even call a human being his house. The audacity. But here is the challenge. Look at the next verse. We're in Luke 11, verse 25. The next verse says, And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. It's still its house. What does it do? Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. So even wickedness has levels. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Now what 
is what am I trying to say here? Do you know the easiest way to deal with devils coming back? When he comes back, it shouldn't be able to recognize what it left. Now, here is a demon. It entered this person from the club. It comes back and finds him in the same club where it entered from. In the same outfit. Dancing with the same person. Like, wow. Fist. Now, I'm, I, come on guys. We need to talk about this stuff. Here, it comes, it finds a person with the same patterns, same habits, same attitudes, same manners of doing things, same relationships, same this, same this, same that. Everything is the same. You'll be like, fist. So meaning, that's why you have a case where there's a person who always manifests the same demon. It doesn't leave because, it only leaves because of the authority of the pastor. Or the one who's casting it out. It even waits at the door. I'm like, ah, Anyways, let's just go take a break. <laughs> so there must be a deliberate effort. Can we continue? How many of you are enjoying this? So now, when it comes to our transformation, our initial transformation has to do with us being transformed from sinners into saints from sinners into saints. And it is the Holy Spirit that is responsible for this. Look at Titus chapter 3 verse 4. This is called regeneration. Regeneration. And I think I gave you an example of regenerating, right? Like the way a cord can be regenerated. And have you noticed how when you regenerate the cord, the previous one ceases to, ceases to exist. The previous one ceases to work. Come on, guys. I know we all use two-factor authentication, right? Okay. Let's continue. Titus 3 verse 4. The Bible says, but when the kindness... Wow. Let's start from verse... Let's start earlier. Such a beautiful scripture, eh? Uh, verse 2. Verse 2. 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived serving various lusts and pleasures living in malice and envy hateful and hating one another what is describing we are all sinners at some point not we are we were because it says we were once foolish so we are not foolish anymore. and then look at the next verse but when the kindness and the love of God our savior toward man appeared what happened not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit does, which is the first thing he does, is that he regenerates. He makes you new. The code changes, the codification changes. Praise God. And so, now this doesn't happen by us doing good things. It happens by us submitting to the salvation of God. And then from there now we're given the grace to do the works and to transform our mind. Because we are spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. So the first one that encounters God is our spirit being. And then with the authority that we're now given, we've now got a mandate to renew our own mind which leads to the transformation of the entire being. Praise God. So there's that initial transformation. So what does that mean? Let's say Laxon comes through. He comes for the salvation protocol. You can face me. And then let's say he's come with tears and with weeping because there's a life he doesn't want to live anymore. He wants to live the right life. He's tried to change. It hasn't happened. And then at the salvation article, he confesses Jesus as Lord. The moment he confesses Jesus as Lord, he's submitting to the master Jesus. When you submit to someone as your master, it means if you were owing any money, it's now your master owing. So now, he submits to the Lord Jesus. So now the debt he was owing God, Jesus already paid. That would have been enough. That's why I did a whole series on salvation. I think it's one of the first that everyone needs to listen to. We have it. There's a whole series I did on salvation. So now, 
he submits to the Lord Jesus. And then the Lord Jesus says, I'm not just going to forgive you. So you're not going to be just, uh, you know, sometimes you hear people say stuff like, a saint is just a sinner who was forgiven. That's a very wrong, it's an understatement. They were a sinner, they were forgiven. It didn't end there. According to the scriptures, what happened is, Jesus became the substitute. So meaning the wrath that was due to him, Jesus got it. So it means when, they, when he confesses the Lord Jesus, it means he comes to the cross. At the cross, he's crucified with Christ. And then when Christ was buried, he's buried with him. And when Christ resurrected, he also resurrects with him as a new creature. Hence the term being born again. So that means that the addictions and the habits that he couldn't fight in his own strength, now he's got a new strength and he can fight them. However, he may walk out of this place still thinking the same way and doing the same things unless he submits to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. You can still do and think the same way if you don't submit your mind now to the transforming power of the Spirit. Please take a seat. So that's the first stage of transformation, right? And then it doesn't end there. Let's continue. Do you know transformation is not just from being a sinner into a saint, but let's, let's finish that one first. What that does, the transformation, the regeneration, it fulfills the following scripture. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 25. Where the, the Lord is speaking and he says, then I will, pour, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Now let's work on our Bible interpretation. Now, I want you to know this. When it comes to biblical interpretation, the easiest way to go is this. Scripture answers scripture. So mark the key words clean and water. Let's look at a few other scriptures. John 3. Ashley, you're excited. Okay. John 3. I want you to read verse 4. Okay, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Look at the next verse. Jesus answered and said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The question then is, have you noticed we went, we had clean and we had water and then we found water again. There's an argument that suggests that the water is baptism. But I don't agree. <laughs> Can I tell you why? Okay, so we've been told, so there's clean and there's water. And then here there's now something else we are told. We are told the next one is born of water and the spirit. Meaning there are two things you're born of, right? Water and the spirit. So we can find scriptures consistent with this. Firstly, in verse 6, it says, uh, is it where it says flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit? Okay? That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And then when you read John 1, 12, we're also told that, uh, but as many as received him, to, get, to them he gave the right to be, called children of to be called children of God. Not born of flesh and blood, but born of God. So ideally, the water... And the spirit at the level of God. And we already know the spirit is the Holy Spirit. So let's look at the water. John 15, verse 3. Why are you clean? Earlier what was spoken about? Being made clean by? Okay, Ephesians chapter number 5. And let's read verse 26. Maybe from 25... This part I've digressed. I just want to teach you how to study the Bible. Okay. Verse 25, please. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Next verse. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. First Peter 1 Peter 1.23. Are you enjoying this? Uh -huh. One, two, three, read. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, 
which lives and abides forever. So we are born of the word. We are cleansed by the water of the word. So what then is being born of water and the spirit? It's the word and the spirit. Praise God. Let's go back to Ezekiel 36 verse 25. Are you enjoying just learning the word? Hey. So if the word of God birthed you, then you are meant to function the way the word of God functions. That's why we're talkative. Okay. Someone is, someone is, like, is happy that I've said that's why we're talkative. So it says, I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Now, this verse is very important. And for me, it also gets along with 1 John 1 verse 8. 1 John 1 8, which says, if you claim to be without sin, you make God to be a liar, right? Then it says, verse 9, but God is faithful. No, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The challenge is sometimes people have believed that they are forgiven. They've not believed that they are cleansed. He doesn't just forgive, he cleanses. So meaning the person is not just forgiven, even the dirt is removed. It's different. And that's why there's a challenge if you keep asking for forgiveness from God over the same thing that you did all those years ago and you keep asking over and over again there's a high chance you've not believed that you're forgiven. Do you know that? Imagine you keep going back to court. Acquit me. They've acquitted you, right? Every month, am I still acquitted? Am I still acquitted? The government says, no, there's money that's being given to every citizen. You go back to the court to check. Am I still a citizen considering that I was acquitted? So meaning... Because when we confess our sins, it's not our faithfulness on the line, it's God's faithfulness. And then also it says faithful and just. Why it says just is because if God didn't forgive you, it would be unjust of him. Meaning he's not just forgiving you because he's a nice person. He's forgiving you because Jesus paid the price. So it would be illegal for him not to forgive you if you asked him for forgiveness. Because Jesus paid the price. So it would be illegal. It would be unjust. <laughs> Praise God. Let's go back. Ezekiel 36, 35. So I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. And what cleanses us? The word of God. I'll cleanse you from your filthiness and your idols. So maybe your mind has been addicted to all this stuff. You've been exposed to all these things. The word of God can restore your innocence. The word of God is restoring your innocence right now in Jesus' name. Next verse. And then it says, I will give you, notice what are you saying here? Transformation. It says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. That's, that, that's really what happens when you're born again. Your heart changes. And then it says, so meaning for you, you can't walk about saying, no, me, my heart is deceitful in all its ways. Ooh, the new one God gave you. You think God can give you a new heart, which is still deceitful. So I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And it says, I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. A heart of stone is cold. It can be moved. A heart of flesh, flesh can be molded. Flesh can be transformed. Flesh can be moved. That's why you find, you should really check yourself. If you notice that when it's time for us to praise and worship our God, which is our calling, you're not moved at all. You need to do boom, 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 boom. Heart of flesh is moved. That's why one of the signs that you're born again is when you go back and do the very same thing. I'm not saying you should go back and do the same thing. But I'm saying if per adventure you find yourself doing the same thing, you find you feel guilty. Something that never used to make you feel guilty. Suddenly you're like, you feel off about it. Why? Because your heart is no longer a stony one. It's a heart of flesh. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's the initial transformation, right? But do you know that there is more? Do you know that being transformed doesn't end with going from being a sinner to being a saint? Being transformed progresses. It's progressive in the sense that you can be transformed daily. And now your daily transformation is about your destiny and your purpose. Let me explain. Look at the next verse. It then says, 
and I will put my spirit within you, the Holy Spirit, and cause you to walk in my statutes. In this context, the, spirit, the Holy Spirit is not being put for regeneration. He says, I will put my spirit within you, and then the spirit of God, like just that. When the spirit of God is within you now, suddenly you know which way to go. To walk in my statutes, keeping my judgments and doing them. Meaning it's no longer about being forgiven from your former self. It's now about being able to walk in the right path. And this right path also involves your destiny. You can take a seat. Let's go now to a certain portion of scripture. When we read this, I think we'll understand. There was a man named Saul in the Bible. And Saul was the first king of Israel. But then at this point, the people had asked Samuel for a king. They cried out for a king. And so it so happened that God changed a few circumstances. And Saul's donkeys got lost. Do you know that sometimes God can edit circumstances so that you find yourself in the right place at the right time? Have you ever been angry because you missed a certain bus? <laughs> I remember when I was, uh, I was at Mature Boys. This should be grade 11, grade 12. And then there was this bus. And usually, to be honest, we used to feel lazy to walk to the road all the way to the bus station. So we would be happy if the buses stopped on the road. And so there's this bus that stopped on the road. And I was ready to walk in. Then everything in me just felt, no! And so I just stood. Conductor insulted me, and then they started driving. No, he was angry because I looked like I wanted to board, then I didn't board. Then the moment they were starting, apparently the police were nearby, and they start chasing after them. And then the bus tries to do this U-turn, and then the part where the door was fell. Now, who knows, what if I would have been seated there? Most likely, if you're boarding the bus quickly, you find the, the, the nearest seat. So God channeled those circumstances. Some of you even just how you came to this church. Um, by the way, you can find this reading in 1 Samuel chapter 9. So the guy now is looking for donkeys. Now, I want you to think about it donkeys. And then in looking for donkeys, they said, isn't there a man of God somewhere this side? Imagine going to see a man of God over donkeys. And then they say to each other, but we don't have anything to bring him. Let's bring him something. And then they brought him something. And then here's what happens. First Samuel 9. <laughs> the word of God is interesting, eh? Okay, verse 18. First Samuel 9, verse 18. <laughs> You're waiting for the next one. My octave has reached. I've reached. <laughs> okay. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me, where is the seer's house? Samuel answered and say, answered so and said, I am the seer. And then he says, go up before me to the high place for you shall eat with me today. That's very important. And tomorrow I'll let you go and tell you all that is in your heart. Is it possible for certain things to be in your heart which you don't know yet? <laughs> Imagine, he tells him, I'll tell you all that is in your heart. Next verse. This is getting interesting, eh? But as for your donkeys, if I'm so, I'm thinking that's what's on my heart. As for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. So meaning what I would talk to you about is not the donkeys. I'll tell you what's in your heart. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, and on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on your father's house? So Samuel is looking at him and he's just seeing the desire of Israel on him. Next verse. 
And so answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family is the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin. Why then do you speak like this to me? Have you noticed that people like competing over smallness? Here everyone wants to compete over who's at the most humble beginning, over who's most, from the most humble background, over who's suffered the most, over who's been the most emotional, over who's been the most sad, over who had the worst sex. Everyone wants to compete. Because it's the same stuff Gideon said. You find people have gone to a funeral, the, there's somebody who's mourning. They go there, they also want to start saying, you, you, it happened, you even said by me. I'm like, come on guys, hey, stop competing. People love competing over smallness. Think about that. People love to compete over smallness. And then, he says, look, I'm the least of the least of the least. Why do you speak like this to me? Now, what did Samuel answer? Now, Samuel took so, he didn't even answer it. And his servant and brought them into the hall and had them sit in the place of honor among those who were invited. There were about 30 persons. Uh -huh. And Samuel said to the cook, bring the portion which I gave you, of which I said to you, set it apart. In short, this is like those moments where my favorite time, one of my favorite times of being a pastor is when I'm at a wedding and I've been given like a high table. I usually eat first. Like I'm one of the first. Like... <laughs> So, it's, so the cook took out the, the thigh with its upper part and set it before Saul. Somebody said, that's my life. <laughs> and Samuel said, here it is. What was kept back, it was set apart for you. Eat. For until this line, it has been kept for you since I said I invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. Let's continue. We're still going. When they had come down from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the top of the house. They arose early and it was about the dawning of the day and that Samuel called to Saul on the top of the house saying, Get up that I may send you on your way. And Saul arose and both of them went outside, he and Samuel. We're still going. And as they were going down to the outskirts of the city. So I want you to understand, this guy is from the weakest tribe. And his family is the smallest in that same weakest tribe. And then, as he is the smallest in that very weakest tribe, the people have desired for him to be king. So for you to go from being the weakest, looking for donkeys, to being king, something needs to happen to you. Some of you, the destiny that God has shown you needs a lot of transformation. Not just from being a sinner to being a saint. Like that has been dealt with. But there's also a whole lot of transformation that is needed. Then look, look at this. Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And he went on. He said, but you stand here wow, that I may announce to you the word of God. The next verse is in the next chapter, right? Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance. Next verse. When you have departed from me today, follow these words. You will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you saying, what shall I do about my son? Next verse. Then you shall go on forward and from, from there and come to the terebinth tree of Tabor. There are three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you. One carrying three young goats. Another th carrying three loaves of bread. And another carrying a skin of wine. Uh -huh. They will greet you and give you two loaves of bread which you shall receive from their hands. Okay, this is prophecy in detail. <laughs> this is not just like the news bulletin. This is the news in detail. Let's continue. After that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it shall happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them and they will be prophesying. Verse 6 is the part I really want you to see. Let's read it together. One, two, three. 
Then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Do you know what an encounter with the Holy Spirit can do to you? Imagine he's being told that when the spirit of God comes upon you, not only will you prophesy, but you'll be turned into another man. Wow. Now, what if you can have an encounter with the Holy Spirit every day? Verse 9. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. Verse 10. And when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. And it happened, verse 11, look at the, the transforming power here, right? And it happened when all who knew him formally, those who knew him from before, saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is so also among the prophets. They began questioning who his father was because what had come upon him look at the next verse actually verse 12 then a man from there answered and said but who is their father why because the father is a source therefore it became a prophet is so among the prophets I want you to hear me well an encounter with the Holy Spirit can turn you into the person who matches the idea of what God has planned for you one of the areas I used to flow in, I still do, but primarily, one of the areas I would flow in a lot was revelation. It's one of the areas I found easy. If you're in the bootcamp group, I think I did a teaching on that yesterday, right? How you can minister by revelation, you can minister by teaching, you can minister by knowledge, you can minister by prophesying according to 1 Corinthians 14 verse 6. I found revelating easier. That's why a lot of my sermons had like mystical connotation. Do you know how I started walking in wisdom? Because that's now an area I've been walking in. There was one morning I went to bed that night, the previous night, and then had an encounter. In that encounter, I found myself in this library. And in that library, I was reading books, different books, some books seemed heavenly. Some seemed earthly. The reason how I, why I say some seemed earthly is because I recognized some of the authors. I didn't know them by then. When I came back and Googled, I found them. Some of the famous authors, you know. And I was reading them. When I woke up, I'll be honest with you, I woke up very wise. I'm not saying I've not now done my part and started reading and doing all that stuff, but I woke up extreme. I, I, I just woke up wise. Woke up wise after an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And the reason why he did that is because he knew that a time would come where I'll be receiving questions from a 21-year-old. And I would need wisdom. He knew that in pastoring, a time would come where someone would come to my office and say, Pastor, I've got a million kwacha. What should I do with it? that happens a lot so meaning revelating alone wasn't going to be enough for the kind of people God wanted me to pastor another night I went to bed and then this man comes in my dream and he lays hands on me and he says from today you walk in divine intelligence now I was a bit confused because I was already intelligent I got up I didn't do anything about it then about two weeks later, or it should have been the same week, I don't remember, I didn't write the dates down. I had another dream where someone came and laid hands on me and said, from today, you walk in divine productivity. Now, I knew that productivity is the amount of output per unit of input. So in that period, I decided to test it out. So almost as if it was a joke, I applied for like two, three courses at once. I was just trying to test if the dream was real. I'm being honest, I was just really trying to test. So I applied for two, three things. That's the period I enrolled for a master's, I enrolled for this. It's, 
I wasn't necessarily flowing with direction. Actually, in the dream, no, I've actually remembered. I've remembered one part of the dream. In the dream, I was told, because I was also asking God questions like, with the way I'm doing ministry, do you still want me to do school? Do you still want me to do business? He told me what to do in business, and then he also told me what to do with school. He told me, you can go ahead and now do your master's and all that kind of stuff. So I decided, let me, that, that's in the dream. So I woke up and decided, let me test it out. And I would be studying, I don't know how many things at once. I remember one time, I'm in Kenya. And I'm preparing for my dissertation. Would see people the whole day. And I would have like maybe 20 minutes to myself. And in that 20 minutes, I'm writing my research. That's the way it was. I remember when I went to China. <laughs> I remember that night. The first night I was in China, I was supposed to fly to... I was in Guangzhou. Then I was supposed to fly from Guangzhou to Nachang. And the flight was... I was supposed to be picked up from the hotel at like 05. And I was reaching the hotel at like midnight. I dozed off for a bit. By 0304, I was up doing assignments and doing schoolwork. 05, went, prepared, flew to Nachang. From there, went to Jingyu. And then, any time I would get which was free, I would be on my schoolwork. On my schoolwork. Now, I'm being honest with you guys. I've always been intelligent, but I don't know, something hit. There's something that clicked after an encounter with the Spirit. Something clicked. Guys, three days before my wedding, I was writing an exam for crying out loud <laughs> in another course. <laughs> I started finding it relaxing. Even right now, the doctorate I'm doing, because I'm doing two, one of them, I applied for it by accident. I was just trying to see if I remembered how to write an application. Before I knew it, they accepted me. I was like, it would look bad. It won't look nice. I'm giving a personal example, but then now there's a purpose to it. There's one of the areas I'm sure God has caught me in is the mountain of education. You'll see some of it in some years to come. Some of it is for now, some of it is for 10, 15 years, because there are some things will transform in the area of education. Will transform the way kids learn. You will see. Will transform the way they learn. And there are some people who argue with. I learned in my first year of university that some, there are some arguments you can't win if you don't have a qualification, even if you're right. And there are some academic arguments we need to have. There are some things that I'm not certain why they teach high, uh, people in primary. Because in the early stage of life, people don't necessarily use logic, they use belief. So if in the early stage of life, evolution is taught a particular way, it forms a belief system. And then later on, even if you logic it out of them, there'll be a challenge. So I've got a problem with that. It can't be taught in schools like that. If they're going to teach it like that in schools, let them teach creation as well. I've got a problem with it. <laughs> Haven't you noticed that there are some things which are dogmatic, even from a scientific perspective, but then they are taught as though they are empirical. So I'm going to... I'll, I'll fight, you'll see. And we're raising an army that will fight. I, I'm excited about it. <laughs> So now, so now it's like, you know what? God gives you this period of time, but then in the same period of time, he's given you 52 assignments. So to be able to match up the assignments, I had to be able to be productive. I had to be able to do this, 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 and that, 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 that at the same time. I had to be able to do all those things. So what does it do? It gives you an encounter and it transforms you to be able to match up to all those things. What am I trying to say? You're one encounter away I know an encounter doesn't have to be exaggerated. Although I like the exaggerated ones. But have you... <laughs> no, haven't you ever had a moment where there was just this moment of worship and you were worshiping God? And then the moment you are done, the person that you felt like you can never forgive, suddenly you can forgive them. Haven't you had a moment where you've been harboring all this hatred in your heart? And then after a moment of worship... Because God moves a lot during worship. After a moment of worship, you feel like you can go hug a dog. Like you just want to... Like, no, who's ever had that? We're just like, like why you can hug anything? Like that's the worst time for someone to ask you for money. Like if they came and said, give me some money. Ah, just get all of it. I don't even need this. My phone, sell it and buy yourself a PS5, whatever. Like, <laughs> my God, an encounter with the Spirit of God. Hey! I said, hey! I don't know if you're hearing me. 
There are times I'm walking in now and I just feel, you, you know what, I, I'll even do that step and walk around and you can tell I enjoy myself as a pastor and I feel like, because I know, I remember a period when I would come to church and just feel off. You know why? I felt like the level of pastoring, I was used to conferencing, but I felt like the level of pastoring, I needed to be this and I just wasn't it. And when I would stand before people, I would feel like it's an audition. I would feel like they're all just like analyzing me. Like, eh, hey, let's see if he can be a proper pastor. And so if I'm God gives you a topic, you start going this direction, you start adding 52 Greek words, you start, I'm telling you, I struggled in the early days. I know what it feels like to struggle. But then an encounter with the Spirit of God, boom, suddenly I would walk here and it feels like home. It feels like, I'm supposed to be here, man. <laughs> I'm supposed to be doing this thing. I don't know if you're hearing me. The Spirit of God the Spirit of God can transform someone from Sarai to Sarah. <laughs> from an arguing wife to a virtuous woman. From an unfaithful man to a faithful man. But beyond that, he can transform you to greater levels of glory. Okay. This is the part where I close. I speak over you in the name of Jesus. That it's your week of encounters. That you are consistently transformed into the likeness of Jesus. I speak the blessing of God on you. You are blessed in your health. You are blessed in your mind. You are blessed in all that you do. In Jesus' name. It's easy for you. Things that were hard become easy in Jesus' name. The word is that it becomes easy. It becomes easy. Oh, wow. What a service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0 If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.